Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune I had an interview this morning at the BBC and I was a bit early. I walk around the block and there's a bicycle shop there. I just started looking at these bicycles. And then I thought, what am I doing? I already have a bicycle, but I like bicycles. They're beautiful bicycles. And I'm just standing there, edging around this window, just the way I would in a guitar shop. It's because I like them. I've always liked bicycles, and I'll probably go on like liking bicycles. Bright, sunny, early spring morning here in Melbourne on Monday. You're listening to the 3CR, the Yarrabug Radio Bike Show. Many thanks to Amy Goodwin from Democracy Now. We've got a fun-filled show coming up. How can you can how you can make your own bags for your bike because you need to carry some stuff. We'll have a look at the news and events that are happening around the bicycle world, and I think that's about it. <laughs> Good morning, Faith. That, I Good don't morning, want to bite well. off more than we can chew. You know, <laughs> let's get serious about this. Um, that quote from Mark Knopfler, guitars oh. and bicycles, what's the difference? Not much. <laughs> well, they can both static objects, but in the hands of somebody they become turned into something skillful. I think that's a load of codswallop. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we should um, also say today that... Uh, we're celebrating Equal Pay Day today. Ah. Oh, no. Yes, there we go. That's, that's why you never hear about it. <laughs> that's a, uh, <laughs> it's a quiet celebration. There is, uh, there's a lovely uh, movement going on. The women should all leave work at half past three this afternoon because yep. that reflects the pay gap. 41. Another one I heard this morning was it'll take another 30 years at the rate we're going to achieve actual equal pay if we keep along going at the same rate. It says wonders for our world. It does. it does. It does. And it is a, it's a little bit of a crisp morning out there. 
early spring, bit of sunlight. Nice bit of sun, but it yeah. was definitely uh, not as warm as the weekend. And uh, nice uh, kick, tailwind coming oh, no. down here. And uh, if you ri- ever ride past Fitzroy Gardens at this time of year, they're about two-thirds of the way there, or maybe a little bit less. They um, do a wonderful planning of daffodils and jonquils all the way down from Albert Street all the way down to Captain Cook's Cottage. It's quite special if you've got a chance to go and see it. Spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. Bike moments? Bike moments. It was a very prosaic bike moment this morning. I, uh, I, I noticed... I, I definitely over-inflated my tyres. It's like riding on um, <laughs> it's, it's a solid ride. Every every bump and every uh, grain of sand was, was noted. <laughs> oh, we'll have to get another mattress underneath <laughs> over the top of that piece. <laughs> uh, oh, God, thank you. I've had three flat tyres in 10 days. Oh. I can't be- – well, I can believe it in, because I know and I've probably seen just as many at work as well, but a little bit of rain. Yeah. There seems to be plenty of glass around back at the moment too, which is part of it. Oh, but it's just driven me absolutely bonkers. And that awful thing of thinking you're fixing a flat, put the tube back in, pump it up, mm. come back the next morning and it's flat again. I've just done it once already. Now I've got to go back and – do it again. I've been saving up. I've had a few bike moments actually in the last couple of weeks, and I've now been writing them down. Oh, which wow. has become so. <laughs> I was forced with. I had a cold selection of three this morning about which one I would yeah. use. If people would remember, it was last Sunday actually. Last Sunday morning, I'm a fairly routine sort of person, so I ride down to my local shopping centre. I leave home at about nine thirty, and anyway. The wind, the wind had turned. It was a southerly. I'm heading north. I've got the southerly wind behind me, and all of a sudden, an enormous hailstone storm. So there I am riding along, going the same speed as the hailstones, all rolling <laughs> down the road. Me becoming locked into that moment, and there's a pedestrian crossing halfway there, and it's one of those pedestrian crossings that's on a speed hump. Oh, yes. So, actually, if you don't know it's there and look yep, for the signs, you just go through yep. it. Anyway, there was a woman walking across the pedestrian crossing as I went through. I got a very strong lecture on <laughs> how I should pay more attention to where I was going. And, hey, have a look. This is a pedestrian crossing. I couldn't apologise. I felt so bad. It was terrible. <laughs> I was enjoying one thing one moment. Next yes. thing that I'm back in the real world. Uh, news. We'll get the uh, couple of interests. We'll get the sports news over and done with first. Uh, the Volantas. I can never know, work out how to pronounce that. How's your Spanish? Uh, no. no. Okay, I'll just go. I'll roll through it quickly. Um, it's becoming a little bit of a um, uh, just a repeat performance of every other thing. You're waiting for something to go wrong. That doesn't mean I'm distracted. Detracting from Chris Froome's ability as a cyclist. He's up a minute on uh, Vincenzo Nabali at the moment, and it seems to be going along not too badly for him. We've had a couple of spooky days. A couple of interesting things have happened. We're now starting to realise that the quality of the team bus probably has a big difference on performance. Yeah. You know, well, Sky <clears throat> was the first one to come up with the complete, you yeah. know, locked in bus where everybody moves. 
Well, they burnt one down at, uh, in the oh, Falletta, one right. of the team's <laughs> buses burnt down. Right. I'm not sure what they were doing on the, <laughs> in the bus that they burnt it down. And uh, just interesting enough, this is the first time 30 years since um, Bernard Hernot won the uh, Tour de France in the Valletta in the same year. So there is something there for him to go to. And on the other side of the English Channel, our young Australian sprinter Caleb Ewan has won the first stage of the Tour of Britain. So he won the last stage, I think, last year. So you could say he's won two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um, also uh, on at the moment is, of course, Race to the Rock. There we go. Second uh, inauguration. Um Riders left from Albany in WA on Saturday morning at 6.22, a very yep. significant time in memory of uh, Mike Hall, yep. uh, and set off to eventually get to Uluru, 3,000 unsupported kilometres on uh, dirt trails, setting off on the Mundabindi. How do you say that? That's right. Yep. Yeah, that'll do. Yep. The um, <clears throat> If you haven't had a look at the route for this ride... I mean, every if if you're interested in it, you should go and have a look because it's um, it's turned it into a serious ride, hasn't it? This uh, from Albany up that coast through the forest, then yep. across virtually the heart of Western Australia. It's uh, the first thousand kilometres is that Mundabindi Trail from uh, and through bushland, small country towns. In southern Western Australia, and it ends at Mundaring, northeast of Perth. Um, and then from there, riders switch to remote roads as they head to the Goldfields region of Western Australia. And from about a third of the way through this section, uh, I think the big challenge with this one is um, supply. Yeah. <clears throat> Getting, making sure, because there's 400 kilometres between supply towns with places where you can get food and water How at long? some points, 400. There we go. So you're, and it's also going to be timing because if you hit that point when everything's shut, you're just going to have to wait because you can't do another. <laughs> Those, now, there are only eight people doing it. There's, uh, there was a very, very um, tough selection process because yeah. uh, it isn't the sort of event you can take part in like you, you can't underestimate it, and no. it was. I think it became apparent that several, lots of people were quite happy to underestimate, underestimate or overestimated their ability. Yeah. yeah. So um, Jesse Carlson put in place a idiosyncratic but obviously very effective um, selection process that um, addressed some of the realities of it, but also just tested people's determination. Um, Eight riders were set to start, and unfortunately for Jesse, his uh, dyno hub was damaged on the way over to WA, and he ordered a new wheel, hoping to be able to start one day after the others, and it, that wheel then was lost in transit. Australia um, Post? No, I don't know. We shouldn't, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's- Jesse's still waiting um, for his wheel to start. As of this morning, Sarah Hammond is in the lead and has just uh, gone through, I just looked this up, Nanup. And I think Adam 
is right behind her. He was in the lead for the earlier sections of and the race. It, it's pretty bunched, but as it would be, I suppose, at this stage. Well, there's Sarah Adam and Kevin Benkenstein, the uh, South African, and then there's a big gap, and then the next uh, four. Yeah. Spread out pretty much now, the next, the last four. And uh, then Jesse's still waiting back at the start. Adam uh, Rosa is. I have to keep turning off predictive mode. Um, but <laughs> So Sarah and Adam are bunched up around Nanup, um, and Kevin's on his way there. There we go. And um, if you want to um, brush up on your Western Australian geography, you should go to the uh, tracker and watch them go across that. But there's yeah. some interesting... Um, and you'll find the tracker. There's a link to it on the Curve Cycling website. There's a Race to the Rock 2017 Facebook page. You'll find it there, and you'll all find it on lots of other cycling media. Sites. Touch base with all the cycling social media, yes. and you'll find it. Now, sales of bicycles in Australia in 2006 to 2017 have been the lowest since 2012. These are highly misleading. These figures. Mm. I mean, uh, in that time space, one point one uh, one million uh, one hundred seventy seven thousand bicycles sold. I think it, most of those bicycles will be bicycles with wheels under twenty inches. Is usually the way it goes. They've been the highest of all. The um, they've, that's the lowest since um, two thousand and nine was a bit of a dip, and two thousand and twelve were a bit of a dip. But I'm talking about twenty thousand bikes there as a dip between one or the two. Although the thing that has happened is that actually there has been a drop of about twenty two percent in the last ten years of kids bikes. Mm. So you can see that as a good way or a bad way, but uh, whether the bikes, the kids' bikes they're buying are lasting longer or no. So, let's, look, it's a bit of an interesting thing and the bicycle industries, you know, point to the fact that actually some of these things, some of these drops of sale might be caused by an industry that's struggling to keep going when... Maybe the infrastructure and the way we travel on bicycles is getting a little bit tighter. They seem to say that it's actually throwing people off buying bikes, especially, I would imagine, children's bikes. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's a big, yeah, with children's bikes, because I know from, like, our experience was a lot of people, children's bikes tend to get passed around. A yep. lot. Like there's a lot of families I know with young kids right into yep. primary school and they're not buying bikes for them. No. It's, um, there's a lot of bike sharing that goes on informally yeah. as, because they grow out of them so quickly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, they're made low quality because they only last for eight months, 12, uh, 12 yep. months, and then the child's too yep. big for them. The number of children's bikes and hard rubbish have got to be seen, believe. Uh, thrown out of Amsterdam, Amsterdam, in New York City recently issued with a cease and desist letter from having a demonstration. O-bikes, what's the other name from? Dockless sharing bikes. Yeah. Uh, going on and on and on. Yeah. I came across, after the radio show the other week, we were talking um about this and how it reflects on our local community that we pick them up, throw them in the rivers. 
these the idea of these bikes first came in China, so that's where they started, particularly Shanghai and Beijing, and they've got to a stage now there were just hundreds of thousands of, uh, of them, but they're suffering the same problems mm. that we have, and I'll just read you a couple of extracts from a. I've got to stop reading the New York Times article, but it really goes to the the point about uh, this, and probably I don't think. I'm not sure, sure. Let me do it first and then we'll talk about it. Such problems have raised questions about the sustainability of China's bike share boom. But the decade has also led many Chinese to look for deeper explanations and to ask if bike sharing has revealed essential flaws in the national character, prompting a far-reaching debate about social decay and the decline of decorum and morality in the country. From a bike share scheme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on social media and in conversation, it's common to hear people describe bike sharing as a monster-revealing mirror that exposed the true nature of the Chinese people. In a sense, the latest chapter in a, in a line of critical introspection that stretches back before the Communist Revolution when famed writer Zi Yong assailed Chinese culture as selfish, boastful, servile and cruel. So all those people hiring O-bikes out there, just remember. <laughs> but I should, I should emphasise with it what has happened in some of these Chinese ones. There was um, a small start-up one who had probably a 1,000 um, bicycles distributed around small cities. It lasted six months. All those 1,000 bicycles were gone, every one of them. So national character, a Rorschach test for our morality in Australian values. Yeah, although we should also mention O-Bike uh, have been, they're a Singaporean company yes, yes, true, and they sorry. have run quite successful. It's been a success in Singapore. Yes. And um, um, are uh, in constant talks with the City of Melbourne to address issues. Yep. But it was interesting. I, I saw that article too and I, I immediately thought, you know, last week as soon as we left the studio, we had that conversation where someone in the office here at 3CR said, what does this say about us that we throw these bikes and kick their wheels in? And, and it's interesting that, you know, that's this, in such different places that's the, yeah. uh, the questions that bubble it's up from question. the depths. Yeah. It's like a Rorschach test. Yes. <laughs> You're right. And look, I've, I've got to say, I've seen, uh, I think I'm, I'm starting to count them actually. I've seen four this week um, on them. So yep. yeah, um, it'd be. Gr- I would love it to work. I really would love it to work. No, it would be great. Yeah, if, yeah. Uh, it's, um... They do have some issues, but anyway, we'll be back with a little bit of DIY after this. The Independent and Peaceful Australia Network presents War, Peace and Independence. Keep Australia out of US wars. Amidst an escalating threat of another major war breaking out, this timely conference will be held in Melbourne from the 8th to the 10th of September. The conference will address the struggle against US bases, drone warfare, peace as union business, US political and military influence and much more. For details and bookings, head to ipan.org.au or go to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's Facebook page. A 3CR supporter. 
And you're back listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. Um, just before we head into DIY land, I, I just uh, wanted to mention uh, Bicycle Network uh, regularly review their policies and um, are at the moment reviewing their policy on mandatory helmet laws, which um, is, I think has come as a surprise to some people that they would do that. But um, they are hosting a survey. They want to know your opinion about mandatory helmet laws, not about helmets. I think, you know, we all know and understand what helmets are for and how they work, but about whether or not they should be mandatory and when. Um, There is a survey on the Bicycle Network website, which we will link to, or you can find it under bicyclenetwork.com slash rcampaigns slash policy reviews slash helmet review. Um, And there's also a lengthy piece there from Craig Richardson, the CEO, about uh, why they're conducting this review. Uh, It is their policy to regularly review policy and make sure that it's still current a, a good policy yeah. and uh to persist with um it, it's not dogma no you know? and uh, uh they're also asking for people to contribute research real research on uh that they know are aware of yep on uh, the efficacy not of helmets but of mandatory helmet laws, laws. so uh that's if that's a topic you're interested in, we'll post a link um, with the podcast or if you Google it or go and search around on the Bicycle Network website, you'll be able to find that. And if you want to be inclined to participate, we encourage everybody to do it actually yeah. because one thing cyclists are good at is actually joining surveys, yep. being upfront about things. And, uh, yep. and it's a survey of members and non-members. Yep. You know, I think... Uh, that's one of the points they're definitely interested in, every, getting um, as broad yeah. a response as possible. And, you know, the, when we look at – I mean, it, it's tied together with the Melbourne Bike Share Scheme and the O-Bikes and that ultimately and the, ties – And why they're it, not working here. Yeah, and that ultimate – and you can actually say why they're not working and that is why a lot of other people don't take to the streets on yeah. a bike as well because it's the same reason. Yeah, yeah. Chris, is, we, Chris, we still got to no, talk about helmets. Uh, rule on the show, don't mention the H word. God, Bicycle Victoria has mentioned it. We've turned around. Very no, cor- no helmets, no magpies. Very cor- Oh, yes. The magpies, they're just starting a little bit. So if you have some in your area, yeah. be a little bit careful. They usually, magpies can recognise 60 individual people. So be in- kind. Interestingly. There is a uh, on YouTube a video, um, and I think if you search something like CSIRO helmets magpie, oh yeah, and it's a a little test they filmed. Someone has filmed, done, and it shows uh, someone rides around a roundabout with um, a normal helmet, and yeah, this yeah. magpie swoops. Then they go around a few times with the cable tires on the helmet, and the, it swoops. Then they go around with a camera and eyes and it swoops then they go around with no helmet no swoop no swoop no swoop there you go <laughs> look i'm I, you know they're they're very they can be sometimes territorial and obviously every place is a little bit different but 
just from my personal experience of watching a communal gang of magpies in my park, yeah. yes, they're starting to dive bomb the dogs a little bit yeah. at the moment because they're obviously chicks are in the nest and it doesn't happen till then. But I've never seen them sweep a person. Uh-huh. The the best explanation I've ever had come to me, and I, the bicycle helmet then makes it fit, is they recognise people as a walking person. Once you get on a bike or put a helmet on, mm-hmm. you're no longer that person. You're somebody different. Mm. You know, and that, they can recognise it as much as that. I've... Uh... My son had a big chunk taken out of his skull <laughs> in a park walking. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So yeah. and yeah, so I'm not sure. I no, no, no. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. I mean they're completely individual. That's not saying there's a rogue yeah. male out there who enjoys and is quite. And it angry. was a park he didn't normally go to, so he yeah. wouldn't have been familiar to them. To them, uh, yeah. but. Uh, I'm not making light of the yeah. number of injuries that magpies no. do every year. When in Australia, there are two or three eyes lost every year and some major damage done to people. It's, um, you know, that's what we say to the tourists. Come here, be careful of the drop bears. <laughs> you know, there's some magpies around. No one mentions Red backs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... Um... Well, I mean, yeah, the magpies bring out a lot of the that DIY ethos... In uh, true cyclists, <laughs> well, it's an interesting part. So the yeah. cable ties don't work. I'm no. not surprised at that. Yeah. It just makes the head a little bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. and and they sort of move in a quickly yeah. way. But yeah, and look, part of the you know the modern day look at life is we need to get up and close with nature. Yeah, how close could you want to get? I in Japan they have that thing. We went um, walking up a, a volcano that perches right on. This town, and this town has been destroyed in the past by this volcano, and it's a live volcano, um, active one. And, you know, all the presentations at the top were about how they've decided, the town's decided to live with the volcano. Yeah. And they have these warning systems in place. They have these chutes to channel lava away from the biggest centre of town. And and that, but that idea of living with nature and... uh, We'll see how it goes for them. We'll see how it goes for the human race, you know. Thank God, they, you know, the cod are coming back to the North Sea. <laughs> uh, events. So we've got a few things coming up. Um, if you missed All for One, the documentary about uh, the first five years of the Green Edge journey, it won a documentary audience award at the Melbourne Film Festival. And there are still three shows at Village Cinemas at Knox today, Tuesday and Wednesday. So I think it's also still on in Bendigo and Shepparton. So that's your last chance to see that for a while. And good um, film, uh, good films hard to make about cycling, I've discovered, yeah, when you watch a few. Got some good reviews. Yeah. Um, would be well worth seeing if, you if get you've a got a, a little bit of time up your sleeve and um, you want to go a bit deeper into drug doping and how you hide um, positive tests. There's a documentary on I think it's Netflix called Icarus, which is very worthwhile watching. In real time, a young amateur cyclist in America goes on a Lance Armstrong doping program, but then gets his urine tested by the head of the lab in Moscow who then gets pinned as the documentary's going along with all the positive tests that came out of all the Russian Winter Games (laughs) and London as well. So it's really quite interesting. He gets sacked. Uh Uh-huh. The 
young American producers to tell, I mean, airline thinks so he can escape Russia before he obviously <laughs> falls for our Anyway, it's not particularly to do with cycling, but if you're interested in how do you hide a positive dope test yeah. on a state level, get a KGB, you'll be right. <laughs> And coming up this weekend is Drag Drain Drag, Drag Drain Drags on the 10th of September at 12pm. This is Drag Races in the Flemington Drains and it's hosted by Pony Bikes and with a huge number of uh, supporters and all profits will go to support Y Gender. Um, there's no registration on the day. You will have to register beforehand and female identifying registration is open for the first 24 hours and after that it will be open to other entrants. It is compulsory to wear drag if you want to race. You won't be allowed to otherwise. There will be sprint tournaments, food, tunes, booze and lots of drag and $3,000 in prizes to give away. Um, it's an event for the whole community supporting Y Gender which in itself supports and advocates for trans and gender diverse young people. So that sounds like a hoot. Lots of fun. And coming, that's all we have time for today. Coming up next is... Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.